Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Hancock. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Tony. It's good to be here. It's my pleasure. Jeff is a crypto expert and the co-founder and CEO of CoinPass, which is one of the UK's fastest growing cryptocurrency traded exchange and investment platform. So Jeff, please share with us your story and more about CoinPass and how your platform can help people to invest in crypto in a safe and secure way. Well, I mean, that's a big intro to try and follow up, Tony. I mean, my, my story first, I mean, I'm, my background is in engineering. I was a cybersecurity and infrastructure engineer for about 16 years. Started my craft off in hotels and casinos in Australia. You know, these are Vegas-sized casinos, yeah. small little punting, punting bars, etc. And um, when I turned about 25, I had the opportunity to do some travel. I'd accumulated far too much annual leave through a few different mergers, and I got forced to take some time off. And my boss just suggested, look, you're 25, go do some traveling, just get out. Yeah. Me and now my, my now co-founder, we've been mates for 20 odd years now for our sins. And we decided to come over, do some traveling and uh, ended up just staying in the UK long-term. I took a few different roles, ended up in, in data centers and security, looked after food brands like Ella's Kitchen and Goo Puddings and uh, some very, very large hedge funds and trading funds, including right, SoftBank, okay. uh, the SoftBank Division Fund. Yep. And while I was at SoftBank, being surrounded with those kind of people, you know, we were dealing with WeWork and Uber and all those kind of things. And every single person had some sort of entrepreneurial spirit. And when uh, my now co-founders came to me, I've been doing a bit of consulting. I'd done some property investing for a fair few years. Uh, I still have some of my properties in a different business. And I was doing a lot of stuff in crypto. And for me, it was easier Back in kind of 2016, 2017, you know, it was very, very tech. You know, the UI wasn't as good as it is now. There was substantially more risk if you didn't yeah. know what you were doing. Yeah. And, you know, from the security aspect, I found that very easy. So I used to mentor people online, a lot of stuff on Facebook, et cetera, making videos, et cetera. And they came to me saying, we want to take a very large position in crypto and pound sterling. How do we do that? And at that point in time, there was no real good premium quality you know, professional services yeah. style crypto exchanges, especially in the UK. Coinbase yeah. had been here since 2014, 2015, yeah. but you were using US dollars and euro. Yeah. Uh, there was no phone number to call. The support was absolutely horrible. And so I countered them with, why don't we start our own? And they didn't have anything you know, negative to say about that. So we aimed to, to put our own money in. We didn't raise any funds at that time. We built a platform and tried to sell one Bitcoin to one person. That was the goal. So we started that in uh, 2018. We launched in September of 2018. So it's coming up on our birthday right now. So I need to get working mm. on that. And uh, yeah, we're coming up on, on just over three years since launch. And uh, in that time, we've grown from you know, a small startup business. Uh, we rebranded into CoinPass as we are right now. We're a team of, I think, 21, 22 now, in the middle of some, some new key highs here in the, U in the UK. 
and uh, we went from turning over you know a few thousand a month to to up into the six or seven figures which is not an easy achievement for a small an SME but especially in a, an industry right now that's so competitive over such a small amount of user base user base about 100 million globally we focus okay. on UK and Europe that's our, our bread and butter and uh, because we're registered by the FCA we obviously have different guidelines to follow than uh, some exchanges of the jurisdictions well, if you're registered by the FCA, then it's more than more because exactly. many are registered by the FCA. Yeah, so that is, not. as you know, one of my challenges as a financial advisor. Yeah, uh, If something is not registered by the FCA, then it's very difficult for me to even uh, speak about it, let, yeah. uh, let alone uh, discuss in any details. So. Yeah, especially when it comes to research and due diligence as well. Yeah. Being a UK business, it's very easy to do due diligence on. Being registered with the FCA, it's very clear what's on their website and what's not. They're very yeah. clear in a lot of their wording what we call there, there's the full registration list. Most yep. of the companies on that have a, an EMI registration, yep. uh, which is expensive, but very good. And then the other bit is what they call the temporary crypto asset register. So these are uh, 100% crypto businesses that are registered with the FCA and still undergoing uh, final appraisal for their um, AML 5D registrations. We can still do business, which yep. is just fine. And that list used to be about 90 companies. Uh, it's down to about 40 now. Okay. I cut have asked to leave yeah. uh, or have withdrawn the registration and simply gone to another country, which proves that they're not up to cutting the mustard in terms of uh, looking after UK clients. Yeah, which we're is, very, good, which is good in terms of the UK clients, isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah. so it's all about being able to trade securely uh, from their point of view. Exactly. So in, in terms of the, uh, so what sort of numbers or members, in terms of members, do you have on your platform? It's a really good question, and I measure it mostly on growth at the moment, not okay. total numbers still on there. So yeah. we're onboarding, you know, a couple of hundred users a day. Yeah. You know, as a percentage of those that will convert, as we call it, yeah. into uh, you know full full time users, and the the retention of those is actually quite high. And one of the things we always get back is uh, is support and service. If you have a question and you want to have it answered maybe before you put your first £100 in, it might be post-trade, it might be about a new token, it might be about withdrawing yeah. it to another wallet. We have obviously a lot of repository of information that's accessible to all of our users, regardless yeah. if they're yeah. new or current, doesn't matter. But you can reach out on an instant chat or reach out on an email and get an answer from a human. We don't have AI bots automatically answering stuff. We have some candid responses because we get the yeah. same question over and over, but yeah. they're all answered by humans. Our support and our compliance department sit literally right beside each other. So if there's an account query about a balance, about a trade, about a delayed deposit, about someone wanted to go from being a hundred pound user to you know a twenty thousand pound user, what are the implications of that, and do they have to do any extra compliance? And we answer those very quickly within between ten and thirty minutes. And then if they require a little bit of escalation, we have a senior team that are basically accessible at all times to help that. So one thing is the biggest bit is, you know, how do they get the right information for them? Because not every question might be the same, might have the same mm -hmm. answer, but everyone has a slightly different, a slightly different background, a slightly different investing background, which we recognize. Another thing as well, being you know, UK business hours, a lot of other foreign exchanges, A, will never get back to you, or B, they'll be in another time zone. So you'll be getting responses at kind of 11.30 at night, two in the morning, which is not going to be suitable to UK clients. Okay. Uh, for me, what's interesting is that as a financial advisor, and again, we spoke about this before, is that I can't advise on uh, cryptocurrency. Mm. So a lot of people ask me, how do I learn how to invest in cryptocurrency in a safe and secure manner? So yep. 
how does CoinPass help people do this? So what we do straight away is trying to make it as easy as possible because investing in crypto, how it should be, is it should be as easy as buying a stock or a share in your ISA. Mm. That's how easy it should be. And we've got two platforms at the moment. One was called CoinPass Instant, which just gives you a nice little dashboard. It gives you some pricing. You can basically request to buy, request to sell, and it shows all your balances there. We don't have heaps of flashing lights. It hasn't got you know different arrows and graphs and do all yeah. this crazy stuff. It's simple. If you're more of a position trader and want to see, you know, tick by tick prices, you want to see some charting and draw yeah. some lines, then we have a trading product for that as well. We are working on amalgamating the two because what we find is us, our simple users, progress into more advanced users because they want more features. <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, at the moment, we obviously we have two products. We want to make that easier. So our goal is to make it easy. One problem that's in this space, and maybe it's a shiny penny syndrome or people want to feel smart about themselves yeah. and the skills they've learned, is people make it very complicated from the outset. They talk about mining. They talk about wallets. They yeah. talk about all of these different kinds of things when essentially you're buying into an asset. It's called cryptocurrency because you can use it as a currency, yeah. but a lot of these do represent themselves as utilities or assets or maybe even commodities. Okay. And I think for the person that's coming into crypto for the first time, it's a much easier way to think about it. Think about it like Bitcoin is gold. You're going to buy and sell yeah. it. You're going to hold long-term worth in it. Yeah. Sure, you can move it to a wallet and you can do payments with it. But where the aha moment comes for a few other people when they sign up to a few different platforms, which I would encourage everyone to do, not just yeah. our platform, okay. to get a good spread and experience of what's out there, is the problem with, I'd say one of the problems with your traditional finance. Now, you buy a stock or a share or, or a gold or whatever it is on your, your ISA, your SIP or a trading platform, yeah. you're tied into that platform. Yes. With something like cryptocurrency, you can buy a bit of Bitcoin on our platform. You can send it to your own wallet and take yeah. custody of that as if you were getting gold delivered to your house. Yeah. And there's obviously security risks with that. Or you can move that Bitcoin to another platform to liquidate it or trade into another asset. So suddenly there's far more choice out there than there was before. There's also a race uh, for quality service and for platform because if people were to buy on our platform and sell it somewhere else, then I'm not doing something for our clientele. And that's something we're always trying to innovate and do. And that just that concept of not being locked into one platform and having yeah. choice is something that crypto offers that a lot of other platforms simply can't. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So I think a lot of people struggle to sell crypto as well in terms of what fee buy gets. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's quite easy to buy, uh, mm -hmm. but when it comes to sell, it's a different matter. True. Yeah, I've, I've seen that as well. And I think that's um, a little bit of legacy from the, uh, what, call it the old market. It was only 2018, yeah. it's not that long ago. One thing we wanted to be was be completely agnostic on people's use cases. So a lot of platforms will have a, you know, a very easy buy side or a very cheap buy side or have an exceptionally expensive sell side which is just a disservice to A, the user, which is the most important person, but B, the industry. They're not painting, you know, they're not helping the image problem that crypto still has. It's still seen as very underground. It's still seen as very niche. Yes. Uh, it's very easy to throw shade on it. You know, there are still you know, a few hacks and rug pulls here and there for, for other products. But one thing that hasn't changed is Bitcoin is probably the worst money laundering tool there is. It's yes. completely transparent. You can see every transaction in real time, uh, which a lot of people so what we try and be is you can deposit for free. That's never going to change. I never anticipate to add any 
cost to depositing on our platform. And, what, and the what's the sort of what's the minimum level people can deposit with you? Ten pounds is the minimum, okay. and that's usually just due to the trade sizes and just due to liquidity. Filling orders that are less than ten pounds <laughs> are actually quite expensive, and that's okay. where. Uh, a lot of additional cost is usually introduced by the platform. So we try and make about a minimum of 10 quid. I think everyone can dip their toe for 10 pounds. I mean, that's the cost of two coffees or two pints these days. So the uh, side is obviously if you want to custody on our platform and, and leave it there to freely trade, you can sell whenever you like, but it's covered by an insurance policy against yeah. malicious theft and, and okay. loss. So people are responsible for protecting their own account, i.e. using a secure password, using yeah. it to a fame. But their funds are insured for any, any sort of hack or loss, et cetera, which is great. Now it comes to the sell side. Obviously, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll pay a fee for buying and you'll pay a fee for selling. But if you want to withdraw the crypto off the platform, yeah. uh, say you want to send Bitcoin to your wallet, et cetera, yeah. we keep those fees flat. They're not a percentage. So whether you want to withdraw 100 pounds of crypto or 100,000 yeah. pounds of crypto, those fees yeah. are flat. And again, those are just to cover what we call a mining fee. So yes. sending the transaction over the network and also the insurance policy. So that's how our fees are kind of scaled and calculated. And we actually don't make anything on those fees at all. And then the last one, we charge a flat five pounds or a flat five euro to take your profits back to your bank because those processes are not automated and they're kind of air-gapped and nice and secure. So let's say worst case, you know, someone gets a password to your account and they manage to get in through all our security measures, which is quite rare, and they try and withdraw, you know, 5,000 pounds. It can only go one place. It can only go to your bank account. It will not go anywhere else. But just obviously for our FCA registration for our AMR5D, it is a manual process to move those funds back to the bank. We do it very quickly within 10, 20 minutes, but also just ensures there's a, a little bit of um, manual intervention there to ensure that someone hasn't pushed the wrong button, that it's obviously going out through a secure channel. And also we don't count our users minimums or, or maximums so if they turn into a hundred thousand pound user overnight great we can serve you you want to take a hundred thousand pounds back to your bank we yep. can surface that, that kind of uh, deal flow as well without having to handcuff our users that's one thing i always wanted from our platform and part of my vision was not to handcuff people into a product that they didn't like using yeah okay yeah i've used one of the things i've mentioned well I, again i've used i think this is more historic is obviously the problems that people have had with wallets Mm, exactly. So wallets is an interesting bit because it can be extremely complicated from yeah. you know traditional banking. I have a bank account. It's an yeah. account. It's very hard to think of crypto as an account because the term of how a wallet is used and how a wallet is secured is a, is a very wide and kind of vague category. So I'll try and break it down as easily as I can. If you think about a wallet similar to like a debit card, You've got what's called a public address or a public facing address, and that yep. might be your card number. Yep. I'm happy for you to have my card number because you can't use it without all the other relevant information. Okay. But if I you know, gave you my card number or gave you my you know, sort code and account code, you can send me five pounds, 10 pounds. Great. That's what the public side of the address is for. Now, what they call the private key. Mm -hmm. or you know, the private address, that's kind of like your expiry date and your three digits in the back. That's stuff okay. you don't tell anybody. And that's the stuff yeah. that kind of unlocks the value of your, of okay. your capital. Yeah. And that's what the private key is. So I can give my, my public address to anybody I like, but the private key is always for me. And that's what secures my crypto. And that private key can take many different forms. And here's where the complication usually gets to when people's mind has to expand a little bit and learn something new. You can have a 
say like an address on, on coinparts.com, but coinparts.com controls the private keys in order to secure that for you on your behalf. So you might think of us like a bank, but obviously mm-hmm. not financial advice. We are not a bank. So that's, <laughs> that's the main thing to remember. We're not trying to be a bank. Now you want to take your crypto into your own custody, which people might want to do because they want to keep it off a platform. They want to be self-sovereign. They want to be able to travel with it. They might yeah. want to transact with their friends and family. Uh, you're going to have to have uh, some sort of wallet, whether it's on a mobile phone where you're going to get a, uh, a seed phrase or a seed key, uh, and that allows you to restore the private key in the future. Uh, that might be a, a mobile device, a mobile app, et cetera. You've got another one, which is called a hardware wallet, which is something called a, I've actually got one with me. Let me get one real quick. Something called a, something called a ledger, which looks like this. Mm-hmm. And it looks like just a big bulky USB device with a couple of d- digits on it. Yeah. And, and this is probably one of the most secure forms of, of holding crypto and what people tend to use. They are a bit of a pain to set up. They are a bit of a pain to get your mind around, but it is the most safest form of, of holding your crypto. What well, if you lose it? That's why you keep the physical device. And yeah. like I said, you know, the, 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 the recovery phrase, the seed yeah. words, you keep them separate. So okay. you might keep this in a safe in your house yeah. or in a secure drawer or yeah. in a little cubby hole somewhere, but you might keep that seed key in like a safe deposit box or right. maybe with your solicitor or maybe with, uh, you know, in a different place. You never keep them together. So this device can essentially turn into a white good. As long as no one knows the pin code to it yeah. and no one knows the seed keys, it's, it's, it can, it's like any other USB you might throw out. There might be some okay. data on it, yeah. but you can lose this. What you then can do is you buy a new one. Yeah, use your seed recovery phrase, yeah. and you restore your funds. You restore the okay. access to your funds again. So it's completely okay. recoverable if you if you set yourself up for a bit of success there. And we put a lot of this kind of content on our website, and there's a lot of stuff out there to learn it as well. And that's probably the most advanced side I ever kind of tell people is that you can have a wallet on our platform, like an exchange like ours. You can move it off to a mobile app, and you can have it in your hand at all times. A mobile is a very personal thing these days. People don't usually yeah. give their phone over to anyone else, so there is a source of security there. But your phone can get damaged or lost. Your phone can get lost. Your phone or can stolen, get yeah. Or leave it in an Uber, as a friend of mine did yeah. on a Saturday night. Yeah, often, it, 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 often's yeah. a good one. So Usually, you want or you jack it. Now, now it's not. It's not the Apple find my phone. It's Apple find my crypto. So th- there's obviously that. Or you take it completely offline onto these uh, onto these hardware kind of ledger devices, which yes, they are a, a little bit of a, a learning curve. The and the experience since 2018 has gotten better, and I think right now where crypto is at, you know, in terms of adoption with institutional investors, with major companies putting on their balance sheet, with the US dollar getting printed, you know, into the stratosphere. I think everyone should have non-financial advice, should have some sort of exposure to crypto, even if it's just yeah. 100 pounds. Yeah. Something that you can afford to lose, something that you might treat yourself with if you're going to go to dinner on town and have a, a nice evening at the theater and a meal. Everyone should be able to, if, if they're taking their investing seriously, everyone should be looking at this tech of what's going to happen next in kind of 20 to 30 years, because I believe the underlying tech will replace a lot of traditional markets. Yeah. I think that was that was my next question. How you see this in yeah. 10, 20, 30 years' time? So. so yeah, I mean, how the tech is used is very, you know, very widespread. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, just blockchain as an idea yeah. for for a moment. Think of it like a, you know, a database that anyone can access with the right permission anywhere in the world. Yeah. Who I used to work with, SoftBank, they did a, a trial with blockchain on one of their mobile networks in in Japan. Because we use text here and we use WhatsApp, but the old concept of MMS, which is like a, a picture yeah. um, analog message, yeah. is still. I've never. I've got an MMS in about five years, but it's still 
very, very mainstream in Japan. Yeah. So what they did is they basically built a blockchain between two of their two of their companies. Because what they're finding is the data usage between these two mobile networks was insane, purely on MMS messaging. So they said, well, let's replace it with uh, a blockchain that runs between both these companies. Yep. If someone sends an, M uh, an MMS, it simply stores it on the chain. And anyone that has the permission to get that MMS can open it from any network ever. And that one little change basically saved both companies you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of pounds of overhead because now the MMS doesn't have to travel between networks. Both networks can talk to the same blockchain. And that's just kind of one little use case. Supply chain, so logistics and all of those kind of things from your, your passport on your plane, where a product has come from, who it was made by, how many hops it took to get to the supermarket, all of that kind of information stored in a blockchain is very important and very easy to access. And obviously, good. it helps prove provenance of where it came from, how it was made, how it was shipped. Stuff like carbon credits, how it's actually tracked being spent, down yeah. to what we know as our, you know, you know, potentially trading markets and tokenized yeah. markets. The idea of having a stock or a share that you own and be able to obviously take self-custody of it and actually show that you hold that stock and share to get your dividend to prove ownership of that share. Move between platforms, whoever has the best service and the best fees. I know some people... Are are really happy with Hargreave Lansdowne and some people absolutely hate but they I, have. I wouldn't say we say the... Oh, <laughs> you, have, you have to be agnostic, you know. <laughs> but uh, there are some people that have different experiences and they, they feel locked into one because I can't get this product on this yes. platform or I can get it somewhere else, but I have to liquidate all of my positions. I have, to I have to take the tax hit. I have to take the income hit move it all over in, in pounds, then reopen all my positions. So they're yeah. going to lose, you know, five or 10% and pay like 20% tax on those. Yeah, it's, a, it's a major issue in my industry. So Exactly. And yeah. the, capital, the capital gains calculations for those, you know, there are a lot of people that don't crystallize capital yeah. gains because they have held those positions for a really long time. So there's a big threat, I feel, to traditional markets in what tokenization will represent. And I think there's a huge opportunity for different types of growth on a on a local scale, what's stopping us from investing into small businesses? Well, it's risk, paperwork, time, and failure rate. But imagine if you could invest into your local coffee shop and every time they pulled the, uh, you know, pulled the barista bit, a little bit of cool tech knows how much that coffee costs. It knows all the bits in between and it can pay a dividend on per cup of coffee on like a microtransaction. That's the kind of stuff that's capable with this kind of technology. So it will do better. It will it take over? Not about takeover. I think it will run in the background where we don't need to know it's there, similar to the internet. You know, used to dial up on a modem, and now the internet is just Wi-Fi. That's all we think of it. It'll be one of those kind of base layer texts that opens up a lot of possibilities that we haven't even thought of yet. And that's why I'm in this industry now. I could be doing a lot of other things with my time in my mid-30s, but I choose to do this because I'm so bullish on it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, for me, I think it's uh, whether or not the banks and, and various governments want this to to be used widely i think that's the challenge yeah. we've got isn't it i think they're bullish on the tech what they're not bullish on is how the velocity of money has changed yeah. you know yeah. you know a couple of a couple of thousand a couple of thousand pounds or a couple of million pounds of wealth can move anywhere in the world within a few seconds that's a scary concept to try and overcome they're they're open to it they're researching it we've got central bank digital currencies around the corner which is Kind of replace our, our form of fiat currency, which yeah. is obviously deeply flawed over hundreds of years of evidential proof. But you know, it's one thing. It, 
2018, 2017, it was kind of a new age thing. It was a bit niche you know, something for the geeks. And now it's a real threat to, to the traditional banking system. So they are paying attention and they are open to talking about it. It's just innovation will always out, outpace uh, regulation. Yeah, no, absolutely. T- talk more about the education side, because again, uh, a lot of people do want to get more or it's really educated in yep. terms of investing. Cryptocurrency, as you say, is, you know, certainly for uh, the millennials, it's something they want to do. But everybody sh- should be doing this, as you say, at least have a knowledge of it. So yes, in terms of your platform that you have, if they want you to invest, obviously, via your platform, mm. what are the education uh, resources that you provide them? Sure. So uh, we have our, our blog site to begin with. So if you go to coinpass.com forward slash blog, we have a lot of industry articles there. We do a lot of news pieces and also kind of the how-tos on you know the basics. So yeah. wallets, starting an account, yeah. trading, et cetera. And then if you go onto our support desk, we have a lot of uh, specific FAQs on using our specific platform. So how to buy your first bit of Bitcoin, how to generate a withdrawal, how to deposit from your bank, et cetera. And obviously we keep those up to date and we reference yeah. them in a lot of our support tickets. So we've got a few different sources of information and we're obviously working very hard to amalgamate the two as well to make them easier to reference. In terms of just learning more about the industry, it is a very noisy space. Yeah, I would say just as a really, any, anything you see about a celebrity endorsement or something about Elon or Musk or about, you know, this appeared on Dragon's Den and they made money on it. All of those are fake straight yeah, away yeah, yeah. no yeah. one's giving away crypto for free yeah. the only thing we, we do on our platform is a benefit if you deposit 100 pounds or more on your first deposit we'll give you an extra 10 pounds that's part of our user acquisition and marketing cost but we don't no one gives away free crypto so don't ever fall or participate in any of those just run on the youtube side youtubers are giving out a lot of financial advice here and there which they really shouldn't be so which youtubers you watch and align with is obviously to be very careful on I can't recommend any specifically, yeah. but it is a do your research and yeah. ask questions. Ask questions in comments. I look at a couple of Facebook groups, try and stick to the reputable ones where, that are either locked, require some sort of you know, sign-up process yeah. or yeah. question process. And there are good ones out there. There's not really a stupid question because everyone's new to it at some point. You know, It's not an assumed knowledge, not teaching this in schools. They're not teaching investing in schools. So I think there's no... Uh, yeah, that just triggered your head. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's, yeah. It's, it's the, one of my uh, uh, gripes, if I'm honest. Exactly. So there's, there's no stupid question. And uh, you know, we answer a lot of basic knowledge stuff all the time because if they can't find it, we're not doing our job. So we use it as feedback. But if you, if you can't ask uh, uh, a stupid question and get some more info on any of these kind of forums and, uh, and connect with people in the same boat as you, then uh, you just need to look a little bit harder. There's several UK groups uh, yeah. on Facebook. So uh, Bitcoin, and, Bitcoin and Crypto Beginners, run yeah. by a good friend of mine, Ash, who's a, yeah. also a YouTuber. Then you've got uh, UK Crypto run by another brand here in the UK, but they have quite a large group and they're quite agnostic on the platforms they talk about. And there are a lot of good people in those groups that are giving info. I, I lurk in there time to time uh, on my lunch breaks and try and uh, answer a few questions here and there. And what I think, what I try to do, what my goal is, is to, is to try and build a, a better crypto still doesn't have the best public image, mm-hmm. but it's no reason why people can't be interested in it. People want to invest and make money. There's nothing wrong with that. People want to see you know, what wealth is going to look like in, in 10 years time. And they, they're thinking about their children or their grandchildren and want to kind of keep up. 
then you know it's worth looking into. It's just uh, finding the right source of knowledge that is obviously transparent, obviously teaches uh, not investing advice, but good practice. It just takes a bit of time when you read the same thing, maybe two or three times on, on a couple of different medium posts, or you might see a post on our platform that's really similar to a post on Kraken's platform. That's where you start to build a, a more kind of secure knowledge base and sharing it with people, share it with friends or family if they're into it too, make your own little mastermind group and, uh, you know, just get involved. You know, there's nothing, nothing stopping you spending an hour a week reading a couple articles to, to level up your skills. Yeah, I think my uh, focus with, you know, in terms of what I put out there from a social media point of view is all about uh, creating awareness and education. So I'm a firm believer in doing that. If you want to learn how to do something, then yes, you've got to be careful uh, in terms of the, the noise out there, but there are good some resources out yeah. there that you can. But I think what people really, uh, forget as well, enjoy it. Investing is about enjoying and learning about yeah. what you're doing at the same time. So, so I'm while I'm a cryptocurrency business, I still have the rest of my portfolio to take care of. I've, I'm in the middle of selling my last HMO, so I still yeah. have property. I've still got some other single lets in there. I have an ISA and a SIP, and I'm obviously looking at opportunities in there. I'm looking at ETFs the way that yeah. diversify a bit. I'm trying to look at global exposure yeah. uh, as more of a cockroach portfolio, which is really boring to a lot of people. I find it awesome. I like that my funds have a global reach 24 hours a day. You know, that's, that's cool to me. Yeah. Uh, but on the other side of the crypto side, yes, there's volatility there. Yes, there is risk there, but also that's where there is quite some significant upswings. You know, you can sit there in an afternoon and, and trade a few positions there back and forth because one thing that's different in crypto to something like Forex is there's a lot of, you know, very dumb traders out there that will follow the same patterns as everyone else. And you're like, I'll draw this line, but there's no way it's going to bounce off there. Sometimes it does because everyone's yes. doing the same yeah. really basic yes. stuff to you. There's, there's not the, the sophisticated, you know, multi-billion dollar players in the FX market as there is in crypto. Yeah. So some of those trends are very unnatural and you can get caught out if you don't know what you're doing. Some of them follow an exact pattern for a very long time because they are very particular markets, but it is, you know, it, I'm not a trader. I don't pretend to be. Yeah. Just that's my strategy. If it goes down by at least five, 6%, I, I buy a small allocation because I'm thinking long-term. I'm not trying to intraday trade and I'm not trying to seek crazy yields and stuff like that. I just buy and accumulate. Yeah, so, but I think, I think that's a great point. I think for, for the majority of people, it is about long-term investing or trading i think i invest i think i prefer the term especially if it's long term trading tends to mean to me a short term i think when you are going to uh, invest in the long term then yes it's not as critical in terms of uh, if you like when you get into the market as long as you go in at a good point you can't you'll never guarantee if it's it's the lowest point and you never guarantee if you sell it's the highest point um it's the old adage right it's time in the market not trying to time the market yeah one of the things you mentioned as well, Jeff, I mean, asset allocation is part of it. So, you know, as you said, you've got a portfolio of different investments. And so it is about having that balance between the different things. And, you know, crypto can form part of that. You know, the, the amount, if you like, is obviously dependent on the, on the risk profile that you have as an investor. Yep. Yeah, uh, if, if it's, you know, it's usually at the top end in terms of the, the, the old pyramid, if you like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, risk profile. But again, it, it means that if you do it in a sensible way, uh, you can do it and you can learn 
and become better and better at it the more that you yeah. get involved and you learn about it. Yeah. So it's like you say, exactly about risk. Because some people say it's uh, you know, a 1% at the very top. Uh, yeah. If you're a bit younger, it might be something like 5%, depending yeah. on what your income levels is. But you know, I still drive money into my pension and into my yeah. ISA because yeah. those are exceptionally great uh, tax-efficient vehicles. Yes. Whereas crypto at the moment is still considered a capital appreciating yeah. asset. Yeah. Um, so you're paying capital gains on your liquidation. And that's something that's evolving with HMRC and evolving, you know, five years ago, Bitcoin and crypto were the same thing. And well, you, you, go, it's, yeah, you it's can go wild. back and look at ETFs. ETFs, you know, yeah. are relatively new in their investment terms. So that, you know, that they've involved. So it's uh, slightly different than cryptocurrency, yeah. but everything involves. Yep. Yeah. And that's where um, one of the scary, other scary things. One of the things that the FCA were very um, anti about last year was when they banned derivatives in the UK. So it was basically UK companies offering derivatives. Yeah, you can still get access to crypto derivatives on a number of different platforms, even yeah. if you're still in the UK. Many of them do lock it down because they don't yeah. want to get the uh, the FCA's target on their back. But a lot of the platforms you can get it on are obviously completely unregulated, out of Caymans, Panama, etc. And they're at your own risk. So you're already taking a, a volatile asset, which can move two, three, five hundred thousand pounds in a day and adding you know, up to a hundred times leverage on that, which is, is kind of insane. And that's where I've seen a lot of uh, new investors get a little bit too carried away. But you can go for the shiny pennies, which yeah, are, you know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're one cent. So they're very likely to move from one cent to two cent. Yeah. Do the math, that's doubling your money. Yeah. But you know, they can easily move drastically in the wrong direction very, very quickly. And one of the knowledge bits is, yeah, you can own, you know, 10 pounds worth of Bitcoin. You don't have to buy one at 30,000 pounds. It doesn't work that way. Bitcoin goes down to eight decimal places. You know, the pound sterling only has two to make it simple. You know, Forex trading is four. You know, I can barely keep track of that. But it goes down to, it goes down to eight. Ethereum goes down to 18. I don't know why, but it does go down to 18. So you can own these exceptionally small you know, scraps of dust of crypto and, and move it around the network very, very cheaply, whether it's, you know, flat withdrawal from our platform or a few cents. The, the price of a token shouldn't affect an investment decision. The quality of that token, what it does, should be the main consideration. Uh, a great resource that everyone yeah. should have a look at, which is kind of like the market kind of page or the front page of the market, we call it, is a coin market cap. Yeah, another one. Yeah, or Coin Gecko is another yeah. one. Yeah, no, that and one that will basically just give you a top 100, or you know, it goes down to 200, 300s, 1000s if you want to go that low, and it will show you the market cap, circulating supply, volume, all that kind of stuff. And after about the top 50, the liquidity gets pretty low, so you want to go and buy 100 pounds, 1000 pounds. You know, a 5000 pound investment of some of these tokens can move the market and has moved the market. So I kind of prefer to stay within the blue chips, if you want to call them. You know, for uh, transparency, I basically invest into Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, because I believe they're, okay. they're very long-term holds, in my opinion, not financial advice. But that's just what I'm doing with my portfolio, which is very simple. You know, three assets yeah. um, that are spread across with a, a percentage. Yeah. And I rebalance them once a month. Kind of okay. boring. So I'm kind of asset managing. Right. Well, yeah, you're taking the same approach as, as I would take to uh, an some investment portfolio. So. Yeah, and you can you can readjust it every other day and capitalize on some of that volatility. I just don't have the time. <laughs> Simple as that. And I'm I'm putting in you know a flat amount every single month to grow that pot as well as rebalance it. So 
Is it the most effective? Probably not. Is it the most optimal? Probably not. But it works for me. And I've gained some good dips. I've got some okay exposure, but I'm still looking at all the investments in the rest of my portfolio as well. So I'm not a, a Bitcoin maximalist, which I think I'm not doing the space any good. I think there's room for multiple tokens and multiple yeah. blockchains to do multiple things. But we're still very early. Industry's 10, 12 years old. The UI UX has only gotten really good in the last three years, I'd yeah. say. And it's, it's still 100 million users globally. Some people are saying as high as 200. I don't really yeah. believe that, but we are nowhere near even half a percent of the global population. No. So there's still every opportunity to get in, learn something before, the, uh, you know, before it becomes as simple as uh, a bank account. We're not there yet. So there's every advantage for people to create some real generational wealth if they want to educate themselves and learn something new. No, I absolutely agree. So any forms of investments, then you need to know at least the basics of what's out there. And cryptocurrency is certainly a part of that for those who want to get involved. But they need to understand, obviously, you know, the pluses and the minuses of it. Yeah. Yeah, go into it with your eyes open and uh, have a bit of fun, but do your due diligence, do your research, exactly. and learn as much as you can and get involved. For sure. Echoing every single point you made there. And I think on the due diligence side, whichever platform you do want to align yourself with, look at some very basic things. Look at the footer. Yeah. of their website. If they do not have a risk disclosure, then obviously they are not exposed to any sort of regulation whatsoever. So buy beware. Have a look at where the company is based. It's really interesting that I do a lot of testing on other sites. And sometimes you can't actually find the company name that's running the website. They hide it, not even in the T's and C's, which is a big no-no. So who are you actually dealing with? What country do they reside in and what's their kind of support processes? So it's a really good exercise to try and do because some of the things we take for granted using SIPs and ISIS in this country, using regulated products, uh, a lot of people might not even know they're regulated, but they have yeah. a layer of protection. Yes. Now, there's no protection in crypto right now for the ombudsman yeah. uh, or FSCS, et cetera. Yeah. But knowing who you're trading with and knowing who you're sending funds to is a, is a very big deal. It might be a really slick looking mobile app. It's really sexy. It has all the notifications. It's got 150 tokens that you're probably never going to buy. But they could be based in Panama or Cyprus or wherever. And actually, the second you deposit pounds, they're converting it into like euro or USD. So really, your funds are kind of gone the second they leave your bank account. And your remit for getting any access to those funds if something goes wrong yeah. is very, very low. So it is a due diligence exercise, which I think is a, is a great skill to have anyway, being objective about literally everything that you read yes. out there and, yeah. and verifying. And that's what I've learned from crypto is I've learned more about money. I've learned more about the financial system, yeah. how, how it works and how it's yeah. unbroken. And people that come into crypto end up asking more questions about, well, what is the difference between money and currency? I thought they were the same thing. Oh, no, 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 no. Completely different. Because crypto highlights a lot of that kind of stuff. So my due diligence levels have gone through the roof, being able to research companies, research tax, research how to look at data on, on, on chain yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm not a developer. I'm a security guy. But the, what it's taught me on other industries has been kind of amazing. And that's why I think more people need to get involved because they will learn something else that actually has nothing to do with crypto. I think that's a great point. You know, investment education, full stop, is something I endorse uh, every single day. And if, it's, if learning more about crypto uh, currencies helps you do that across the board, then it's got to be a good thing. For sure. Jeff, we're coming towards the end. 
And so if people want to get started with a crypto, a cryptocurrency, how do, how do they get in touch with you or your platform in terms of uh, using that? Sure. Find out more. So, uh, you can find us across most social media. You look for our official pages on either LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Obviously, I'm very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find my profiles on there. Just look for CoinPass or Jeff Hancock. Yep. On, link, on Twitter, I'm Jeff underscore CoinPass. Nice and simple. So you can get in contact with any of our people or pages there for, for any uh, random questions you might have. I love connecting with people. So if you do inbox me, I will try to get back to you. As long as it's relevant. I mean, don't send me stuff I don't need. That's not nice. You can look at our website, www.coinpass.com. We have a blog on there, which we have a lot of relevant information. We're constantly adding insight pieces, community posts, guest posts, news, et cetera. So you can use it as a news source if you like. We also have the newsletter if you want to get some stuff in your inbox once a week. We do not have a spam policy in terms of the more people that stay on the list, the better. I don't want any unsubscribes. So we only want relevant stuff on our newsletters. But otherwise, yeah, sign up an account. It's free. Check it out. Look at the platform. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Maybe there's something you've seen that you like. Maybe there's something that's not quite, not quite obvious that I can make better. So any forms of feedback you want to give us, and yeah, yeah. there's uh, lots of places to 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 interact with you. So. Lots of places to get in touch. So we'll go, I'll, I'll pass you over some links. You can put them on the bottom of this. Yeah, uh, I'll put them on the show notes for us. So great. Jeff, I also ask all of my guests uh, one question, and that question is, "What does wealth mean to you?" What does wealth mean to me? I think wealth has to equal some sort of time, whether it's now or in the future. If you are a trader and you have a spread betting account and you make a couple extra hundred bucks a week, that's what you get to do and have your fun with, then great. If you're building wealth to share with your family so you can retire early, then that's awesome. I think wealth can present itself in both money, mindset, and time. So I think if you're investing in any one of those, you're going to be ahead of anyone else that is not bothered. And uh, don't treat it like a hobby. Treat it like a business. Treat yourself accountable and have a group of people around you that have the same, have the same merits and uh, you'll, you'll do all right. Fantastic. That's a different response I've had before, so I like that. So, and I think time yeah. is a big factor you got in there as well. Because you can be time rich and have no money and be the yeah. happiest person on earth. Yeah. You can be knowledge rich and share that with other people or mentor people. Maybe yeah. you make your wealth through giving your knowledge yeah. to others, you know, wealth coaching, et cetera. Or you simply apply your strategy and you know, build, build that bankroll, you know, divest it into something else. You know, I've got a rough strategy and I, I, I love playing online poker. That's one of my hobbies. Yeah. I'm okay at it at a certain stake level. But if I want to increase my bankroll through playing really good poker and I, I, I don't want to put any of my disposable income into it, I have to make between 50 and 100 bucks on one of my spread bidding accounts. Yeah, okay. And that's a little bit. So I want to top up that or I make a really bad call. And that's one of, you know, that, that, that's a fun hobby for me. Yeah, there's a money element to it, but that's a strategy element to it. And you learn a lot about strategy by doing different things. And you should have a hobby that, hobby that keeps you fit a hobby that keeps you creative and yeah. a hobby that makes you money, you know? Yeah. So poker is kind of in between creative and in between, yeah. uh, in between money-making, but I've made a huge amount of friends and a huge amount of networking through playing poker in, in real life back when we had some networking events at the Hippodrome. Yes, they were business-related and yes, they were networking. But, you know, 
the strategy involved in, in playing that game is is completely unlimited. And there are people that have been playing for 20 years that are still learning. And I think any topic that continues to evolve and continues to get harder and continues to level up is a, uh, is a good skill to learn. So when I'm not working or outside exercising or spending time with my family, or my, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to be better at poker because there's, there's a life skill in there that, that's constantly evolving from the math to the strategy to the people to the, you know, saying stupid stuff to try and get more information. You know, it's, it's just good fun. I think we should be learning. I, for me, learning every day is a natural thing. So uh, yeah, the day, the day I stop learning, yeah. I think will be the day that uh, I call it, uh, call it a day. But um, <laughs> Just to compliment that, I saw a really good post on LinkedIn the other day and I had to repost it as well. It was like, have you ever had a spreadsheet that you were so excited about finishing and was really amazing, but none of your friends cared? Yeah, I'm asking for a friend. I'm like, yes, I've been there. I have an amazing portfolio spreadsheet, and I think it's cool. And my partner doesn't. She's like, big deal. Yeah, no, that's right. So it's that's yeah, like that. It's that learning every day. Like I learned how to do. I learned how to do VLOOKUPs in uh, in Excel, and I but my was blown. I mean, VLOOKUPs are amazing. If you're not if you're not an Excel nerd, then ignore that last point. But I got a, I got really excited from learning something. I use spreadsheets every day, so I know exactly yeah. what you mean. So. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, something like that. If you're not learning every day and not getting excited about it, then uh, yeah, you, you, you're not doing it completely right. And everyone should find investing and learning about stuff exciting. Yeah, I also think picking up the point about wealth i think true wealth is a is a, having a balance uh, amongst a couple of a, yeah. a few things in your life so you know i think that if you want a happy life you have to have um, a balance between a number of things whether it's your personal life business life health wealth yeah. and the and there's there's no reason why some of them can't overlap i mean it's good to have some separation and step away from the desk but there's no reason why some of them can't overlap so yeah some of my networking overlaps with poker some of my poker overlaps within with investing but all of it makes me a more rounded person that's learning something every day. And if I can learn a half a percent more than yesterday, then you know that that's that's a win for me. Great, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure uh, having you on the show today. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure my audience will too. So great to have you on the show. Great to share also your experiences and your knowledge and good luck with everything you do, and good luck luck with uh, CoinPass. Thank you very thank much you. for having me. Uh, thank you for listening, team. And if uh, like anything I can do to help, random question, random query, uh, please reach out. Otherwise, yeah, make sure you listen to Tony's podcast and keep educating every day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk, on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how? You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TTWealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.